We are beginning a second full week of 2020, and I'm just curious how many of you made a New Year's resolution? Show of hands, not many of you. How many of you are still sticking to those New Year's resolutions? Okay, about the same amount of hands. How many of you think New Year's resolutions are a waste of time? All right, there you go. <clears throat> now we, we, we know where we stand on that. Um, I personally don't um, tend to make New Year's resolutions myself. I'm kind of under the thought that if there's something in my life that needs changed, I need to do that right when I realize that change needs to happen. I don't need to wait until a new calendar year to make that change. And, and really, that's how we should do it. If there's something in your life that needs to change, Make that happen right away when you know that. But I get it. It makes sense to begin something new or to eliminate something out of your life when the calendar year changes. It's, there's something new. And so it is kind of motivational and meaningful to do that. So I understand that. But whether or not you made a New Year's resolution, I hope you understand there's room for improvement in your life. None of us are off the hook there, are we? That each and every one of us has something in our life that can be improved. And I would go as far to say that you know exactly what that is. And maybe there's someone out there today and sitting in this room that might need a little help. If you find yourself needing a little help and realizing what it is in your life to change, just ask your spouse. I'm sure they'd be willing to help you out. If you don't have a spouse or significant other, just put a plea out on social media and wait a couple seconds. There's plenty of people out there willing to tell you what to change in your life. The truth is, though, we, we really know. There's at least one thing, maybe even two, some people maybe even three things that you can think of right now that you would like to improve or change in your life. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's both. Well, I entitled this sermon series, Hashtag Goals. Now, if you don't know what a hashtag is, it is the symbol also known as the number sign or the pound sign. Um, I just looked it up um, online this week. It's also called an octothorpe. Now, I have no idea where that name came from. There's a few theories out there about that. I guess it's the scientific name for it. Um, if you still don't know what it is, I can't help you any further. You need to ask someone else. But it's commonly used, like, like you see on the screen, it's commonly used in social media. And so this week, I, I looked, I searched on Instagram to see how many posts have been made with this tag attached to it, hashtag goals. I found 82.7 million posts on Instagram has this hashtag attached to it. Now, ironically, I also read an article this week about overused hashtags, and hashtag goals got an honorable mention. So don't start using today. It's way overused on its way out. You would 
you would probably be thinking, well, why did you use it for your sermon series if it's on the way out? I realize I'm, I'm a little behind. I'm uncool. Just ask my daughters. Um, they'll confirm that. But I picked this, hashtag goals, because it's so pro 82.7 million posts. Now, I realize some of these are, are jokes and sarcasm and stuff, but, but people really do have goals in their life that they want to meet. And that's a lot of goals. And so as we begin the new year, I wanted to spend the next three weeks talking about some goals that we all would benefit from. And it doesn't matter where you are on any of these. There's always room for improvement. We all could improve in these areas in our lives. I'm not going to be talking about exercise or eating healthy. We all realize that's a common thing. We, those are good things that we all need to be striving for. I'm going to just stick to spiritual goals, which makes sense, right, because we're in church. And so we're going to be talking about some spiritual goals for us to, to meet. Um, before I get into this week's goal, though, I want to spend some time laying out a foundation, really giving you two keys that will help you reach your goal. Not only the goals that we talk about, but any goal that you set in life. There are two keys that will help you reach that. You might want to write these down. It's intentional and incremental. These are the two keys that will help you reach any goal that you set for yourself. Intentional and incremental. To reach any goal, you have to be intentional about it. These things just aren't going to happen on their own. How many of you have thought and wished that you could lose a few pounds? Probably all of us in this room. How many of you accomplished that just by thinking and wishing that that would happen? It doesn't work that way, does it? We have to be intentional if we really want to accomplish that. We have to be intentional. Write them down. Put them someplace where you'll see them daily. It's amazing the, the difference that, that is shown for people who, who write their goals down and post them where they can see them versus ones who just think about them and keep a mental list of them. The, the results are staggering. Put reminders in your phone. Maybe even make appointments in your calendar. If your goal is to spend more time with your family, actually schedule that in your calendar and keep it like you do all your other appointments. I know that sounds a little cold, but we have to be intentional about reaching our goals. Get an app. There's an app for everything. There's even apps to help you reach your spiritual goals. Use technology to your advantage. Be intentional. Make a plan and then start chipping away at it. So the first key to reaching your goal is intentional. The second key is incremental. We have the tendency to see where we want to be and to just go all in and make huge wholesale changes in our lives and try to reach that as quickly as we possibly can. Typically what happens is we get frustrated and we give up. This is why so many people fail. They try to do too much too quickly. They want to start exercising more, so what do they do? They go out and buy a gym membership, and then they start setting their alarm clock for 5 a.m., and for the first week, they get up at 5 a.m. every morning to go to the gym, and they do too much. They don't ease themselves into an exercise regimen, 
they, they, they do too much, they push themselves too hard, and they're sore, and sometimes they even injure themselves. And, and it's good for the first week, but what happens the second week? I remember doing something like this once. I was determined to begin exercising more. This is a common goal that I set, that I struggle with. But I remember, it must have been New Year's. I don't remember the time of year, but, but I remembered I'm going to start exercising more. And luckily, I didn't have to go out and buy a gym membership. We lived in a, in a, a, a townhome a facility that had a clubhouse. And in the clubhouse was this nice workout room, a weight room. And so I decided I was going to go up there and exercise. And I went up, and I got on the elliptical and did three miles on elliptical. My legs buckled when I got off of that thing because I wasn't used to that kind of exercise. I actually had to sit down in the clubhouse for about 30 minutes before I got my legs under me. I actually thought I was going to have to call my wife, Marla, to come pick me up at the clubhouse. And we only lived just a block away from it. The best way to reach your goal is to do it incrementally. The cliche, how you eat an elephant, comes into play here. I mean, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Incrementally. So don't forget these two keys. When we talk about goals, and when, we, when you try to reach your goals, be intentional and be incremental. Now, let's look at our goal for today. The first goal I want to challenge you with is to grow more. And not just grow more in general, but, but specifically in a certain area. The Apostle Peter, Peter actually talks about growing. He, he challenges the early Christians, the um, first century Christians, to grow in their knowledge of God and of Jesus. Look at how he starts his second letter, Second Peter verse, um, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. It's interesting that, it, that the word there, as you grow, it's, it's kind of assumed that, that it's natural for Christians to grow. As you grow, may God give you more grace and peace as you go about that. That's the goal set out for the early Christians. And Peter really challenges us with it as well, to grow more in our knowledge of God and of Jesus. This is a lifelong endeavor. We will never reach this to completion. It's continuing. To continue to grow in our knowledge of God of Jesus. Sometimes it feels like the more we try to know and the more we try to understand, the more confused we get. The more you dig into God's Word and the deeper you get into His God Word, you end up discovering all the things you don't know and it becomes overwhelming. This is a huge challenge. And like I said, it's a lifelong challenge. I'll never forget the time I was standing in one of my professor's office uh, um, Johnson University, and we were looking at some scripture together. We had, we had read it. We were talking about it. We were, we were studying it. it. Just so happened this professor uh, was an elder at this church at that time, and many of you probably will remember who I'm talking about, Jim Chesser. Jim knew the Bible better than anyone I have ever met. He knew the Bible forward 
and backward. He could pull scriptures from memory, tell you where they were, recite them to you word for word. He knew the Word of God. And as we stood there in His office, I saw Him discover something new. And it was amazing. And I, I stood there amazed and inspired to realize that this lifelong endeavor of growing in our knowledge of God and Jesus will never end. It was a reminder to me that, that this is a lifelong endeavor. Peter challenges the early Christians this way. To grow in their knowledge of God and of Jesus. And, and Peter goes on to talk about what this looks like Actually, the rest of chapter 1, if you read that on your own this week, you will see um, what this looks like. He says, he says, add to your faith. Add to your faith moral excellence. And then add knowledge. And then add self-control. And then patience, endurance. And then godliness. And then brotherly affection. And then last of all, love for everyone. This is how we grow in our faith and how we develop. And then he goes on to say this in, in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He says, the more you grow like this, this is, this is growth. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you grow like this and you develop like this, you become, you produce fruit, you become useful to the kingdom. He goes on to say, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. This is the first glimpse that we see of what happens when we don't grow, when we stay where we are. We lose sight. We forget what God has done for us. We forget that He has forgiven us. This really can happen to you. Some of you know it. Maybe some of you have experienced this before where you've struggled really knowing if God truly forgave you or not. You struggle with the guilt and, and shame of a sin that happened long ago. and At one time you knew God forgiven, but all of a sudden it's back in your life and you wonder really, did He forgive? forget that God forgave you long ago. and My guess is to say when you have those moments of those feelings, those experiences of wondering if God truly forgave you or not, you're not growing. You're stagnant. The Bible says that God has cast our sin into the deepest ocean. The Bible says that He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west, that He will no longer remember our sins. But when we're not growing, when we're not developing our faith and our, our knowledge of Him, we begin to question that. Peter tells us why. We're not growing. When we don't grow and develop in our faith and our knowledge, we lose sight of the things that God has done for us. We struggle. And I know this happens. I've counseled people that, that this happens to. They struggle with knowing if God truly forgives them or not. And they're believers. They love God. They have, 
have put their faith and trust in Him that they reach a point in their life to where they wonder if God truly forgives them. The first question I ask is, are you growing? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you spending time in His Word? Are you developing your faith like Peter has, has laid out for us here in 2 Peter chapter 1? And I already know the answer before I ask it. The reason they are short-sighted and blind to the forgiveness that God has given them is because they are not doing these things. And so if you find yourself today, this morning, struggling in this way, struggling, wondering if God truly forgives you or not, I want to ask you, are you growing? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you spending time in His Word? Are you developing your faith like it's laid out here in 2 Peter Chapter 1, you see the cure is simple. We just got to grow more in our knowledge of God and of Jesus and develop our faith. And may God give you more grace and peace as you do. Look at that second verse again. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. This is how Peter opens his letter. The interesting thing is, he talks about it later on in chapter 1 when he looked at but he also closes his letter with this same challenge. Look at what he says in 2 Peter 3, verses 17 and 18. This is the last two verses of this book. He said, you already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Then he says this, Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. Second Peter is a short book. It's a letter that he wrote to early Christians. It's only three chapters long. And he opens and closes that letter with growing in the knowledge of God and of Jesus. Here's a simple outline for Second Peter. Chapter 1 is growing in the faith. Chapter 2, he actually deals with false teachers that have crept into the church and how they are to deal with them. And then in chapter 3, he talks about Jesus' second coming and how we need to be watchful and be ready for that. But in all of this, in all of these things, he opens and closes with a plea to grow more and their knowledge. And this closing plea is more serious than the opening one. He's like, you must grow this way. You must do this. He actually goes on to give us a second glimpse of what happens when we don't do this. He says, if, if you don't grow, you run the risk of being fooled and carried away by wicked people. And that's a point back to the false teachers that he talked about in chapter 2. You see, if we are not growing in our knowledge of God and Jesus, we put ourselves at risk to be fooled and to be carried away by heresy and false teachers. If we don't grow in our knowledge of Jesus, we could be easily fooled and lose our sure footing. And we put ourselves at risk. This is why this goal of growing more in our knowledge is so important. The consequences are great. First, we could lose sight of the forgiveness that 
the cleansing that we have had and being forgiven by God, but also we could be easily fooled. We put ourselves at risk. If you find yourself in a season like this where your faith is stagnant, your spiritual growth is stagnant, you are at risk today. I pray this is not you. I pray this is none of us here this morning, but even if it's not, none of us are off the hook today. Each and every one of us, every single one of us, should have a desire to grow in our knowledge of God and of Jesus. It doesn't matter where you land on the, on the spectrum of maturity. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. If you've been a Christian for most of your whole life, there still should be a desire to grow more in this way. And it's just like any other goal. It's not going to happen on its own. It's not going to happen just because we think about it. It's not going to happen because we wish it will happen. We must be intentional and incremental with reaching this goal. And I know it sounds cliche, but the best way to grow in your knowledge of God and of Jesus is by getting into the Word of God. If growing more in our knowledge of Jesus is our goal, and if the best way for us to do that is to getting into the Word of God, the question then becomes, how do I do that intentionally? How do I do that incrementally? Because these are the two keys in reaching our goals. I know that when we talk about spending time in God's Word and reading the Bible, there's all kinds of questions that come up. There's concerns that come up. Maybe you have tried this before and you got overwhelmed. You didn't understand what you were reading and you got discouraged. Maybe you were reading a version that just didn't make sense. The, the wording was crazy and you couldn't really even just understand the sentence structure. Maybe, maybe you started in the Old Testament and you did fine until you got to Leviticus and then it's like, oh man, I don't even know what's going on. And you gave it up. Maybe, maybe you decided, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. And then you got busy and you lost track of a few days. And then all of a sudden it's a few weeks and you're, you're a month behind and you think, oh, I'll never catch up. I'll just wait till next January. Questions like, where do I, where do I begin? What version of the Bible do I use? How much do I read at a time? How do I understand what I'm reading? All these things come up. I realize that. And I want you to know we're here to help you with those things. But remember the two keys. Intentional and incremental. I want to encourage you just to be intentional. To set aside a little bit of time each day to spend in God's Word and just read a little bit and then think about what you read. Maybe you decide to do it right when you wake up. Maybe you decide to do it at your lunch time. Maybe you decide to do it before you go to bed. Pick a time that works best for you. There's also apps that can help you with this. The Version Bible app is so good. There's actually Bible reading plans that are topical. You can pick a topic that maybe you're dealing with and you'll be reading scriptures that deal with that. There's different time frames you can choose. It doesn't have to be a whole year-long reading plan. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. Use technology to help you. And pick a version that's easy to understand. The New Living Translation is what we commonly use around here. That's what the version of the Bible actually is provided for you in the seats. And um, it's, it's really easily accessible. 
The New International Version is another one. You can get all those versions on the YouVersion Bible app. Be intentional. Make a plan. But also be incremental. Don't set a goal too big. You don't have to decide to read through the Bible in a year or read through the New Testament in a month. Those are some reading plans that are out there. Just maybe choose to read a chapter a day. Maybe you choose to read a chapter of Proverbs throughout a month. Maybe you decide to pick a small book like Second Peter, like we we're talking about today, and you decide, I'm going to read that every day for one month. I guarantee you if you do that, your life will be changed. You will know more about Second Peter and what he calls for Christians to do than anyone else. Do it at a pace that you can handle. Reading through 2 Peter would only take probably 10 to 12 minutes a day. Be incremental. Really, there's no right or wrong way to do this. The, the point is to be intentional, make a plan, a simple plan, and then start chipping away at it. And here's the cool thing about all this. The results are very tangible. I promise you, if you do this, you will see your life improve. I promise you that if you do this, your life will change. It's, it's interesting. I came across this study just this week. I'd already kind of put this message together and, and then this popped up on a video in my news feed on Facebook and it, it just fits so perfect. Some of you may have seen it. I've seen it posted quite a few times in just the past couple days. There's actually a study done by the Center for Bible Engagement. And they did a study to, to look at how, um, how many times people actually engage with the Bible each week and how that changed their life. The study was astounding. They found that people who engage with the Bible one time a week had no significant change in their life. And that could be just coming to church and reading a few verses on the screen or, or cracking open the Bible and the seats provided there and, and reading a little bit of it. That's, that, that's, that, there's no significant change in anyone's life. The same was true for those who engaged the Bible two times a week. Really no significant impact on their life, no change in behavior. Then there were those who engaged the Bible three times a week. And there was a little blip on the map. There was a little difference in those people's lives that, that engaged with the Bible three times a week. This is where the study got amazing. For those who engage with the Bible four times a week, it was off the charts, the change in their life. The impact that it had in people's lives and the change in their behavior. Here's what they found. For people who, who read and engaged with the Bible four times a week, the feeling of loneliness dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. That is life-changing. And that's not all. They found all these negatives that, that dropped. They also found these positive results that increased. They, they also found sharing your faith. For people who read the Bible, engaged the Bible four times a week, 
sharing your faith with someone jumped 200%. Making disciples jumped 230%. Memorizing scripture jumped 407%. The results are astounding. They prove the power of God's Word. We know the Bible is alive and powerful. We talk about it. We read Scriptures about it. We know that the Bible is life-changing. We know these things, and most of us are living our lives without tapping into this power. We're living our lives like we can handle it on our own. And then we, we question God. Why aren't you dealing with my addictions? Why aren't you dealing with my loneliness? Why aren't you dealing with my rage? We have this tool right there for us to tap into to help us with those things. And so as we move into the new year, I challenge you to set a goal to grow more in your knowledge of God and Jesus. That's best way for you to experience life change this year. Let's be intentional about it. Let's be incremental about it and not try to do too much out of the gate. Hashtag goals. Grow more in your knowledge of God and of Jesus. Let's stand.